it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. The person that ran the Trump-Russia investigation has now pled guilty to working on behalf of Russian oligarchs. And almost none of the reporting mentions that this was the individual that led the Trump-Russia investigation. Headline, CNN. Ex-FBI counterintelligence chief in talks to plead guilty over work he did for Russian oligarch. The former head of the counterintelligence, the former head of counterintelligence at the FBI's New York office is in talks to plead guilty on charges relating to work he did for a sanctioned Russian oligarch after leaving government. No mention in the piece. Same for ABC, so much for the other reporting. That's not crucial? Or is it like the lockdowns, where the media would like you to forget just how much propaganda it spewed on behalf of the pro-lockdown forces and Big Pharma itself. Shut up, stay home, save lives, get vaccinated. One, two, three, seven, 12, 18 times. They want you to forget all about that. It's the same thing here. The Durham report proved that the entire Trump-Russia narrative that they promoted for two straight years, the first half of the Trump presidency, was complete bogus. It was complete and utter bogus. They don't want to remind you of that. And now you get this one. Headline, MSNBC. No, Jack Smith doesn't have to prove Trump knew he lost. By someone named Jessica Levinson. Never heard of her. All four charges laid out in the second federal indictment of President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, center around the idea that Trump tried to steal the 2020 election, hence some people incorrectly believe part of the prosecution's job will be showing that Trump understood that he was the one trying to steal the election and not that it was stolen from him. Those people are mistaken. Special counsel Jack Smith can convict Trump on all charges, corruptly obstructing and conspiring to corrupt an official proceeding conspiring to defraud the government and conspiring to violate civil rights without even showing Trump knew he had lost the 2020 election. Excuse me. That's in the indictment. That's actually in the indictment that Trump was told. He was informed. So now they're saying we don't even need that. What do you mean violate civil rights? What civil rights were violated by Donald Trump directly related to January 6th? Nothing. Nothing at all. He's not charged with insurrection or rebellion. What we were told all this time, it was a coup plot. It was an insurrection. Donald Trump's the insurrectionist. He, he plotted to overthrow the government of the United States to hold on to power. He's not even charged with that. So now they're saying this alleged conspiracy. They don't even have to prove that either. Andrew McCarthy is going to be on this program a little bit later. And I know he's not the biggest fan of Donald Trump. Now, he is a former prosecutor from the Southern District of New York, prosecuted the blind shake in the first 93 World, the World Trade Center bombing in 93. So he's got some cred here. I'm not a lawyer. I read the 45-page indictment and came to the same conclusion, that January 6th is just a vehicle. You want to talk about Jailing your political opponents. We've heard that phrase a lot. If you look around you at some of the regulations that are coming out of this White House, the effort to get us out of private transportation, 
the effort to get us out of private home ownership. What do you call all of this? Eradicating private property rights. The government is intervening ever more in the economy. Taking ownership of high-speed internet, charging stations, chip manufacturing. Oh, no, no, it's just grant money, Andrew. Really? It's just grant money? And now using these bogus paper vehicles to literally throw the man in jail who may actually win the 2024 election. What, what, what would you call that? And these people have been so blinded. They don't care what precedent they create. They don't care what damage they're being, what is being done by them. They have one singular focused goal, and that is not allowing this nation to decide between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I would say this without reservation, that energy will transfer to any other person should they best Donald Trump in the Republican primary, be it Vivek, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, whoever constitutes the upper tier after Trump. All of that energy is going to transfer to that person. And some of these Republicans that think the enemy of my enemy is my friend in this moment, there's no such thing as an acceptable Republican going forward. They could love George Bush now, but they they treated George Bush the same way. And John McCain and Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, if he thinks that they're honest, they're honest statesmen on the other side, he's wrong. He's being a fool. He's being fooled. He is a fool. Liz Cheney's a fool. Adam Kinzinger's a fool. If Liz Cheney actually ran for president, she would instantly win the endorsement of the editorial boards of the New York Times and the Washington Post. And as soon as that varnish wore off, they would attack her as Dick Cheney's daughter, who before Trump and alongside Bush was the worst human being ever born. But now they're saying we don't even need to prove these things. We just have to allege them. We're using January 6th to tap the raw emotion of a D.C. grand jury. And by the way, the judge in that case, who worked at a law firm with Hunter Biden, who is an Obama judge, she is not to be questioned. She's a Jamaican immigrant. You don't question a woman of color on the bench. Eileen Cannon, Aileen Cannon, is looking at the special counsel and going, wait a second. The crime is alleged in the Southern District of Florida, but you're using a D.C. grand jury to do the investigation. That'll be a question I have for McCarthy. I've never heard of this before. I thought the jury, the grand jury, was seated in the district where the crime, the crime is alleged. Now Jack's just, nah, I can use the grand jury wherever I want. I could pick the most vehemently anti-Trump district to seat my jury and feed them whatever I want. And then I'll try the case wherever I want. Wine 695 Patriot 9572874. So now Jack Smith doesn't even have to prove the allegations according to this columnist from MSNBC. I'm not surprised by it at all. They don't even think of the dangers here of eliminating the basic protection of our criminal justice system. The burden of proof is on the prosecution. And we heard many left-wing voices, wow, why doesn't Donald Trump just, uh, you know, just give us what we want to prove his innocence? Well, that's not how it works. And you wouldn't accept that on any other day. So this is very, very bizarre stuff that we have happening 
right in front of us. There'll be no retro act. If you think there is going to be any sort of accounting of how the media conducted itself in the first two years of the Trump presidency and then in the second two with regard to the lockdowns, you're out of your damn mind. You're just, you're out of your mind. Now, there's another one here. Headline The Hill. America's white majority is aging out. Whenever we talk about immigration being used as a weapon to reconfigure or fundamentally transform the United States, we're told, don't you use that phrase. Don't you use that phrase. Great replacement. But for a decade or more, perhaps more, there's been this warning slash giddiness Oh, the demographics are changing. The demographics are changing. The demographics are changing. The demographics are changing. What does that mean? Now, there's been a wrinkle in it, a little bit of a carrot, if you will, and now it's called white adjacent. And that is the that is the term that is used for any percentage of any demographic group that doesn't want to join in with the racialized radical left that believes that politics and race cannot be mutually exclusive, apparently they can be. Now, I did see that Vivek uh, Ramaswamy only became a Republican in 2020. I'm not going to delve too deep into that. Larry Elder is actually going to be joining me in studio a little bit later. But they keep telling you, this country is going to change through demographics. So we're going to promote the open border to change that. If you have anything to say about it, we're going to call you a white supremacist or say you're the black face of white supremacy or the far right Latina or white adjacent or whatever it is, whatever it is. But they're sticking their finger right in the eye of, yes, white people and saying, <laughs> now, I've said on this program, I'll say it again. I don't care if the, the country's majority white. I care that the country's majority American. That our constitution remains the law of the land. That is something that could be felt by any number of people. But I can't imagine that if non-black people started moving into places like Jamaica in droves, they'd be going, see, look, look how great this is. Jamaica's undergoing a, a, a demographic transformation. They'd be losing their minds. I mean, literally right now you have South African politicians that are calling for a white genocide and the international media is like, what, 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 what? I don't see anything here. No big deal. But what does that mean? The country is changing demographically. So the open border is the weapon they are using to achieve what? What are they trying to achieve? Does it automatically mean we will become a Marxist utopian dystopian? What does it mean when they say that? They're telling you that they plan on replacing a percentage of the population that in their mind has had too much political power. But to do what? What does that mean? They already don't believe in the Constitution. I've never met a Democrat, never spoken to one. When they say this, that, or the other thing is constitutional or unconstitutional, what part of the Constitution it comes from? Look at the way we've structured government. Without much fight from Republicans, I might add. There's nothing in the Constitution that says Congress shall grant its authority to the executive branch, but retain a check in oversight. All laws, all laws 
are made by the executive branch, I mean, the legislative branch, according to Article 1. Not some, not shared, all. But now what we have is these endless executive actions going so far as to tell us what type of light bulbs we can have or gas stove or stoves that we can have or homes that we can live in or cars that we could drive. None of this is afforded to the executive branch, but there it is. You could be dragged into a court of law for not violating a law. A regulation coming from the executive branch is not a law unless it's voted on in Congress. And as I've said, and it won't happen, I don't think, I don't think, that there should be an absolute accounting of all active federal regulations. Members of Congress should be broken up into teams using their staffs, reviewing these regulations, bringing them to the relevant committees, voting on them, then bringing them to the floor for the vote. If they survive, they remain regulations because they're now law. If they fail, they're no longer regulations because they've not been certified or validated constitutionally by the Congress of the United States. You can argue all you want. I'm right. All right, let's see. What are our times here for our guests? All right, let's see. Uh, One o'clock, Andrew C. McCarthy is going to discuss the use of two separate grand juries in the Trump document case where the jury's not... The grand jury is not seated in the district where the crime is alleged. And former radio host, friend of mine, and presidential candidate Larry Elder joins me in studio. We are right. They are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125. <laughs>